You talk dirty to me. The Quick and the Dirty with Hillary and Sandra. You're kidding me. You're things that I have put in my mouth. Uh, oh my God, Hillary. <laughs> it's what everyone is talking about. I'm Hillary from London. And I'm Sandra from Ottawa. And welcome everyone to the Quick and the Dirty podcast. It's basically the stuff you talk about with your friends, except we record it, post it online, and you get to laugh at us. <laughs> and every week, well, mostly every week, I should say, we have some pretty cool guests. And today's guest is no different. We have a real live storm chaser live for now (laughs) (laughs) he'd be crazy and we're gonna talk about that i want to ask the first question if you don't mind has to be what's wrong with you can we ask him that question (laughs) (laughs) we absolutely can but first we have to do our quick which is basically where sandra and i recap our week and how we failed at life that's right. So who failed at Life Bigger this week? Was it you? I haven't failed yet. Mine isn't. My fail is coming on Thursday. It's a future fail. Tell me about it. <laughs> this I, It's actually hard for me to admit because I'm not proud, but my family can't take a family vacation without having an epic fight on the very first day. Like we have never been able to successfully not fight on a family trip. <laughs> And it's the first day? Like, you haven't even spent any time together. You're not sick of each other yet. Why the first day? I know. I've I've dissected it so many times because it happens so much. I now have to stop the cycle. And we're taking a trip on Thursday. So what I think it is, is just the anticipation with the anxiety, uh, the fear of the unknown. Um, everybody brings different characteristics to the party. Uh, so my 16-year-old son, uh, we're flying, for example, on Thursday to Phoenix. He is afraid of flying, so his anxiety level will be high. And you uh, are not a fan of flying either. No, but I'm also the efficiency manager on this trip, so I have to make sure everybody's efficient, so I'm in charge of tickets, whatever. So then I become like a maniac because I need efficiency. Right. Uh, Tim is the master of escalating a problem. <laughs> he doesn't know how to de-escalate a situation. Like when everybody is freaking out, he'll go, Ugh. he'll like sigh in the middle of it, which to me is an escalation tactic. He when hasn't I- learned yet. Like he's been married to you for how long? I know. That's what I say. I'm like, how do you not know how to handle me yet? De-escalate. So Olson and I <laughs> will feed off of each other and then the anxiety will be high. Tim will escalate the situation and my 14 year old Johnny is usually going can everybody please stop fighting guys stop fighting and then we're like which shut just up, makes Johnny. it worse and then everybody gangs up on him <laughs> then we're like you shut your mouth and stay out of it Johnny it is like absolute. <laughs> we have had some epic epic fights but usually they're road trips like we're in the car and then I'm oh. yelling because everybody's everybody's late or someone's forgotten something and then I'm like irritated and then this one gets irritated but the plane is the ultimate perfect storm, if you will. Because there's Uh, witnesses. Like, people will be looking at you like you're that crazy family, which you are. Well, But normally people don't see it. I'm so... Terif- oh, first of all, I'm obsessed over the liquids bag at the airport because we're going carry on. <laughs> I've become this crazy liquid bag Nazi um, because we're all carry on. And I, I don't want to spend two hundred dollars in luggage fees. Right. And we're only going for four days. I'm like, OK, we're doing carry on and I'm in charge of efficiency. So everybody, here's your liquid bag. Do as I say and everything will be fine. And this one is like, where do I put my toothpaste? OK, I told you that goes in the liquid bag. So I'm just worried that. Through security, I'm going to lose my mind at these idiots that I have to travel with, also known as my children. Which is hilarious because you're the most high maintenance person I know and you can travel carry on no problem. That's right. I know. I'm high, low, may. You, you, I 
actually, you called me High Low May. I've actually lived yeah. that life. When people meet me and they ask me about being so uh, bougie, I'll be like, I'm High Low May. <laughs> That's who I am. I, I'm high maintenance, but am I? You're high maintenance, yet efficient. <laughs> I'm uh, unbelievably efficient, and I cannot handle people who aren't efficient. I can't, I, I just can't handle it. Like I told my family, we don't all need to bring a toothpaste. We can bring one toothpaste and share. So I'm just like losing my mind. You have three boys. Are they all sharing deodorant? No, that's where I draw the line. I can't have that. <laughs> I absolutely can't have that. But I, I consider Tim one of your boys, by the way, your husband. He's just yeah, one he of the is, children. He, at this point, I told him, I'm like, don't even... It's his it's his big trip. This it's his 50th is coming up and this is his big baseball trip. So he has actually taken me aside and said, um, don't be a bitch on this trip and ruin it. <laughs> like, uh, I have a question. So it's his 50th birthday and you're making him take his family on his big trip. I'm not making him. He wanted this. I didn't want to bring the kids. He actually wants to do the, this baseball excursion thing with his. He loves spending time with his children. That this is where he and I differ. <laughs> so, <laughs> totally, I'm like, well, who are? When I go on a big trip, the last thing I want to do is have to feed those two. Egg- they eat a lot. Yeah, you know, yeah. To they, be fair, you don't even want Tim. You're going away again to Jamaica, and you're not bringing him. He's. I hate traveling with my husband. He he doesn't understand the best part of a vacation. For me, a vacation starts when I book. It. That's when I start getting excited. And then when I get to the airport, I get I'm excited. I have my eight dollar coffee. I buy my seven dollar water. And you I have just, your sober coach usually. That's right, usually your sober coach me. Deb. And the, yes, and then I'm like I'm in an. I love that Deb gets to mention every podcast, and she wants to. <laughs> she keeps mentioning that she wants to like go four for four now. Yeah. So if you good. don't know who Deb is, Deb is one of Sandra's <laughs> closest friends, yes, she and is. she goes on most of the trips that Sandra takes because. Sandra Sandra is claustrophobic, so she needs someone to hold her hand. She keeps Sandra calm. And Deb doesn't drink, so So. she's the designated walker and sober coach to make sure that Sandra gets home without making any terrible errors (laughs) or ending up in someone's room. (laughs) Yeah, Deb's the only reason I'm alive today. And still married. (laughs) And still married. That's right. Poor Deb. By the way, as an aside, I have to tell you something. Deb wants to drink. She wants to start drinking. Okay, we have to make a big deal about this. If if sober coach Deb is going to drink, it has to be an event. Do you think she's been Deb's testing. first drink? She needs to find a drink though because she hates the taste of alcohol. So that if anybody's, li- yeah, if you you quick and dirty podcaster listeners have a drink that you would recommend for someone who doesn't like the taste of alcohol, like something super light. So I think it has to be vodka based, but I believe that in everything in life should be vodka based, <laughs> <laughs> including I my love you. There's a reason we get too. along. I know. So listen, I'm taking the trip on Thursday. Uh, and when I come back, I will have a full report to you on day one of this trip. All I Please want... get video or audio evidence of the meltdown. <laughs> this I don't, this is all I want in the one. world. I'm set. We've all we've even had a family meeting. Did I tell you that part? We've all sat down and said, listen, even Johnny's like, guys, we can't fight this time. <laughs> I'm like, you're right. So I'm going to. Shut up, Tim, Johnny. <laughs> you shut your mouth, Johnny. I'll do what I want. Uh, so Tim, Tim's going to work on his de-escalation. I'm going to have a Valium. And uh, I don't I don't know how Olsen's going to handle it. But we, uh, the, the four of us have got to find a way to travel together. And, I, and I'll report back. Sandra, okay. I could have used a Valium this week. For my quick, I want to talk about how I. I, I met my boyfriend's ex-wife for the first time. Oh! 
at a funeral. <laughs> and we were all sitting together. Girl. It Where do we was start? epic. So w- did you meet her when you were sitting down so it was quiet or did you meet her in the lobby or where, did, okay. where was the mo- how did it happen? So I had to drive to this funeral. It was about an hour away in a place called Petrolia where nobody goes. And uh, I drove there. I was meeting my boyfriend and his mom. It was a friend of ours. Her mother had passed away. So we were all there to support her. And I walk into the funeral and he's got this close-knit group of about eight friends that have known each other since they were like six years old they went to like school together all of their parents lived on the same street like they're super tight and we walk in they all stood in like his first wedding like they're all super close we walk in and they're all sitting there i see them and i go to walk over and in the corner tucked in the row where they've saved seats for us is my boyfriend's ex sitting and the only seats available are the ones right next to her and like Uh. i don't I'm not proud of this, but the only reason I knew it's her <laughs> is that I totally Facebook stalked her. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's normal. I would have I would have done the exact same thing. So you you immediately yeah. had her in your sights. I knew it was her, and I was like, oh crap, oh crap. And I could tell that that my boyfriend was also freaking out because he started laughing. Like, oh, shit. Like, oh. And he's just giggling as he's walking into the, and the shoulders start to slump like, oh, geez, here we go. And I think what was worse for him was that all his friends were watching like, what's going to happen? Like they did it on purpose just to watch us struggle through it. And it was like, I felt bad because it sucked the air out of the funeral and brought it all into our corner. Oh, and everyone was watching. Oh, my God. It was God. super awkward. I'm dying for you right now. Oh, no, no pun intended. Again, it's a funeral. Someone's <laughs> already died. <laughs> so sitting in the row, it was her in the corner, then my boyfriend, then myself, and then my boyfriend's mother on the other side of me. Oh. And then in the row in front of us, all of his friends turned around waiting. So So at some point I just reached over. I was like, hey, great to meet you. Nice to meet you. Oh, Um, and she clearly knew who I was. So she's done the same thing. She stalked me. But uh, yeah, that was so awkward. What I want to know is when you met her, because I I know how you are. You you meet people all the time. We all know how to fake kindness. Oh <laughs> yeah, pretend that we like you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, like when you're I'm in still pretending you with you, Sandra. I know you are. But you know when you meet people, like you're like, hi, how are you? And that's what we kind of do. What was the? How did she greet you? Did she have that friendly thing, or was she just like business? No, she was friendly, but she has this way of speaking where it's like really soft. Where, <laughs> like a low talker, soft? Uh, a little bit, but really pronounced S's. Like, like she's judging me with her S's, <gasps> which I'm like sure she wasn't. But in my head, it was like, oh yes, it's nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, did God. you know? Did you know she talked like that? Or is that no? It's that- not. She's not at all what I expected. Like she looks how I expected. She's this tiny little perfect blonde thing that I will never be able to compare to. However, nor should you, (laughs) but we all do that, right? Like if you know who your partner's ex is, you're going to compare yourself and try to measure yourself up. You just are. Yeah. Yeah. I I get that. But uh, ultimately, you know, you're with them now and she's not. So no comparison, baby. Very odd to see them and their chemistry 
even though they're not together. Like they still have inside jokes and that stuff's so weird. When so he he sat next to her, what was his body language like? Uh just straight ahead. He was like, focus on the funeral. I'm not I'm not gonna give anyone more attention. I'm not gonna put my hand on you and I'm not gonna laugh at your jokes too much. And when she said something funny, he'd be like, ha ha. <laughs> like, and moving on. And, and then part way through on. the funeral, I think he because they all have old jokes. Like they all have inside jokes. They've known each other for years. They were married for 12 years and their friends were all there talking about things. So I was definitely the odd person out. That sucks. But it's going to happen. But he made an effort partway through the funeral to like jab my leg and like kind of giggle and whatever. So we're we're okay. It was just intense. What I want to know is once that part of the funeral ended and you stood up and you went to socialize, then what happened? Uh, luckily, she had to run off to a volleyball tournament. So there was a brief thing where she I actually think she thinks I'm a bee because she had well, to leave to go. Well, yes, <laughs> but I didn't want her to know that on the first meeting. That's, true. It's That's too the soon. crap that you keep and you hide until later in life. <laughs> That's true. It's not It's not how yeah. you want to open a relationship. No, Got it. absolutely not. So uh, she had asked me, oh, are you guys going to the uh, to the little wake afterwards at the Legion? And I was like, I don't know. You're going to have to ask him. And I kind of said it kind of abruptly and now and then she left and I feel kind of like a bee. Uh, so you think that she's just like now obviously because you're the new girlfriend, she'll amplify it. I don't know. Maybe. Okay. But she's got a new guy. I think we're good. Oh, do you? Okay. And then what about your guy? What did he say about the whole thing? Was he just like weirded out the whole time? Did he, oh, talk, yeah. did he address Quiet. it? Quiet. He refused to talk about it afterwards. We've moved on. <laughs> he wants to forget well, the whole thing ever happened. Yeah, of course. Well, good thing we have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The podcast, its primary goal in my life is to uh, sort of passive aggressively say things to my boyfriend after he listens to it once we've released it. <laughs> I'm just here because I don't have anywhere better to be. <laughs> Thanks, Sandra. Well, at this time, I would like to invite our guest who actually has something interesting to say here on the podcast. Now, uh, he is a uh, a local business owner who specializes in videography and small business consulting. Uh, now, you've all heard about The Wizard of Oz and Twister, and I'd say we have a, a healthy fear of tornadoes. Very. Yeah. Well, this guy does not. He's known as the Canadian Storm Chaser. He follows extreme weather and tornadoes across southwestern Ontario and Tornado Alley. Please welcome to the podcast, Brian J. Spencer. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you. Very kind. Very kind. (laughs) That was a great intro. That was fantastic. I tried really hard to be prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Brian, can I just start off with the first? I already asked the first question earlier, but let me officially ask it to you. You crazy? No, I don't know. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, uh, you know, where the the chemical imbalance uh, quite is. But uh, I don't know. I just, uh, you know, kind of once you see one tornado, uh, you kind of want to see them all. Uh, and so then, uh, you know, once you get back home, you start doing all the studying. You you reread uh, weather forecast manuals, and and you just look forward to the next year because you want to see the finger of God again. So where did this obsession with tornadoes start? Where was your first tornado? 
Uh, it's actually uh, it's a bit of a, a long story, and I'm not too sure how long the podcast is. Hopefully, about four <laughs> hours. But uh, I was actually uh, I used to be a huge uh, Pearl Jam fan. So it all comes back to music, and uh, so I, I run this uh, website called PearlJamLive.com, and I've had it for a million years. And I used to be friends with the band, and then uh, I got into a bit of a, a legal issue with them when they became an indie band. Uh, and then for my love of their uh, music started kind of dissipating a little bit and being a, a hobbyist, I needed to kind of fill that void. Uh, so I was flipping channels one day and then I saw this fantastic program on water spouts called uh, Angry Planet with host and fellow Canadian George Karunas. Uh, and I'm like, what the heck's a water spout? Uh, so I just started watching it and totally intrigued. By the end of the program, I was on the internet and learned as much as I could. And then later that year, Discovery Channel launched Storm Chasers. And that oh. was it for me, 2007. <laughs> Loved it. <laughs> so so you're not, I was just going to say, are you a meteorologist or it's nope. not about that? No, I'm uh, I'm a videographer uh, by day. I take uh, some fantastic video. And uh, once I'm filming a tornado, uh, hopefully from birth until death, uh, I have some of the best uh, footage out there, I would say. I've got a very steady hand. I have no problem getting close. And... Uh, <laughs> And no I nerves. capture it all. No, I've you know a lot. You lose a few windshields because of uh, three, four inch <laughs> hail. Uh, sometimes you're a little too close uh, or just east of the uh, rotating tube, uh, and it's coming right for you. But uh, you know, after after a few years of doing this down in the states, uh, you learn a few safety tips. So uh, I don't think that uh, there's a, quite a chemical imbalance. I think there's a good, solid fear and respect for Mother Nature. Now, did this all, so it started with that TV show. How accurate yeah. is Twister the movie? Uh, I love Twister. Uh, it's uh, it's so fantastic. And, and when you watch it, I think it's just about 22 years old now, but they actually use paper maps. And it's so amazing uh, being a 45-year-old uh, man here because I remember paper maps so well. <laughs> and now we don't use them at all. So it's it's almost a, like a nostalgic sort of thing. I have to watch it every year. Uh, Bill Paxton, obviously, he's he's gone now. He was so awesome. But, uh, yeah, the effects are good. Uh, you know, the technology obviously was a bit whacked. But uh, I love it. It's fantastic. So you're a tour guide now and you speak yeah. in schools. Tell us about the uh, the tour guiding. Yeah, so um, as a uh, divorce present to myself back in 2009, um, I decided, uh, you know what, and I have two uh, two boys at home, and they're kind of old, and, and I'm kind of uncool, and they don't want to hang out with me as much anymore. So I got to fill that void with something. Uh, so I just started kind of learning as much as I could, and as a divorce present to myself, I decided to go in, in 2011 and join with a tornado tour group uh, where we got a tornado like every day. My first experience was at Joplin, Missouri in uh, May of 2011. Uh, that was an EF5 tornado, and then we got a tornado the day after that, the day after that, the day after that. And uh, by the end of the two weeks, uh, I bugged uh, as a guest of, of the uh, tour group. I, uh, I started bugging the owner, uh, Charles Edwards of Cloud9 Tours. And, and I'm like, dude, if you ever need a driver and guide, I'm totally your guy. Like, I love people. I love hearing stories. Uh, and I love everything about it from the technology to the six, seven-hour drive every single day. And then once at the end of the day, you get to see that, uh, as I said earlier, the finger of God come down and hopefully you can capture it. And, 
and then you get to do it the day after, and the next day, and the next day, and it's just, uh, so then I started bugging him, and I'm like, hey, uh, so I sent him an email in 2011, and then 2012, and 2013, I never heard back in 2014, 2015, 2016, and I don't let things go, obviously. And in 2016, <laughs> I finally got the call saying, you have a chance to drive for us for two weeks. And uh, so that was in 2016 where we got 18 tornadoes, uh, and it was the most brilliant two weeks of my life, next to, you know, obviously my kids being born and obviously. all that usual stuff. So yeah. <laughs> you get some really great footage, like you say, of these tornadoes and these twisters. Yes. Do you use that footage, or do meteorologists look at that footage, and do they learn things scientifically, or do you, is it really just for sport? Uh, that is actually a really fantastic question. As a uh, storm chaser, a professional storm chaser, uh, meaning that I get paid to chase tornadoes, which is so brilliant, uh, but we are uh, next uh, to the tornado. So basically once uh, we see the funnel cloud and once it actually touches the ground and becomes an official uh, confirmed tornado, we're, we actually are obligated to call the National Weather Service and of course 911 and say there is a confirmed tornado. Yes, you can see the rotation on radar, you can see the hook echo, but we're right next to it. We call it in, and then we can actually hear the tornado sirens turning on kind of the east of us, uh, warning all the small towns. Um, but uh, scientifically, no, I, I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, we are there. We're first aid and first responders, obviously, or CPR. And uh, But no, we are on the ground, and, and one of our biggest uh, uh, obligations is to call in the National Weather Service and hopefully warn those towns uh, just east of our location of, uh, of the tornado on the ground. Now, you keep saying east. Do tornadoes always go east? Yeah, almost always. Uh, the majority of the tornadoes will uh, flow to a northeast uh, trajectory. Uh, however, um, when <laughs> they get mean, uh, when they kind of turn right, and basically they start turning right to garner more moisture or more energy within the storm, uh, and then it gets real mean. And when it starts turning left, and of course we can see this with our technology and uh, sometimes with our eyeballs, but uh, when it starts turning left, it, it seems to kind of dissipate and it'll go into kind of a rope out stage and then. And it'll it'll die off. So, but basically, it will go to the northeast unless it's getting real mean or it's starting to die off. It'll veer a little bit. So interesting. So, what's the closest you've ever been to an actual cyclone? Uh, well, I have many stories. Uh, the one that I'm thinking about right now, we're in uh, Leota, uh, Kansas. This was in 2016. And uh, unfortunately, we got uh, stuck right under the rotating updraft of the mesocyclone uh, because the east-west roads uh, were covered in rain and they were dirt roads. And so they were impassable. Uh, and then the north of us was the hail core of about four or five inch hail. So that was not an option. And then actually south of us, we had one of those mobile Dow trucks uh, ditched uh, across, uh, kind of uh, jackknifed across the road. Uh, needless to say, we were right under this mezzo. We had no option of escaping, and this was a mean, mean storm. And uh, basic, it dropped about three tornadoes uh, before we were locked uh, or stuck under the mezzo, and then it dropped one, not really in the center of the uh, the rotating mezzo, but on kind of the outer bands. What's a rotating mezzo? Because I have no idea what you're talking about. So basically, the the back end of a storm where all that energy is, is focused and garnered, it will start rotating and uh, right kind of uh, southwest of the mezzo. And that's just basically the rotating portion of the storm. So we were locked right under that. We knew it was going to drop a major tornado. It's actually kind of picturesque because the sun was kind of dipping. It was really beautiful. But a tornado dropped right beside us and it started spinning around the mezzo towards our truck and we were stuck. 
we could not escape whatsoever. And about two telephone poles away, so you know, maybe a football field away, it finally dissipated. And it was at that moment <gasps> I wished that I packed some diapers. <laughs> so that's the closest you've actually ever been to death, is what you're basically uh, no, saying. No, that was the second closest. Well, you need to yeah, I don't know gonna... how much time we have, so uh, we have time. We have time. time. This is so interesting. <laughs> yeah, but I want to ask you. You know, you, we talked about the movie Twister. You know, in that final scene where they're holding on and their bodies are being sucked into the funnel cloud, yep. and they look into the—I uh, don't even know what to call—the the the eye. The yes, eye. They're the looking eye. into the eye of the Twister. Have you ever had a like a moment that you're that close? Uh, no. No okay, way. Because well, be that's dead. not realistic, yeah. right? It isn't realistic whatsoever. No, I think you would probably get, you know, kind of video footage of like, of something like that, maybe within a water spout, but not not within a tornado. Right. Um, it is, uh, it's very windy. Um, and, and I <laughs> I'm hope getting that, that, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's incredibly windy. Um, but no, there's, uh, yeah, we've, we've certainly been uh, in some questionable scenarios uh, and not really to our own um, uh, needs, but uh, just by accident. Uh, but no, I like the closest I've been uh, to a, a confirmed tornado would probably be maybe about fifty, no, maybe about a hundred feet. Uh, and that was that was my third tornado in uh, West Memphis, Arkansas. Uh, and that was, the video of it is is a little creepy because um, uh, it's way too close. But no, normally we try to stay about uh, about a mile, maybe two miles away. And and the reason being is these tornadoes are so big that we want to actually film them. We want to see the left edge and the right edge. I want to capture the whole thing within the viewfinder and especially how it's scouring the Earth's surface. Uh, so I like to be about a mile or two miles away and, and take it all in. So someone told me the scariest thing about a twister isn't necessarily being s sucked into a twister or anything like that. The scariest thing is all the stuff that it pulls up and spills out. So, yep. you know, you could get killed by some debris, and that's that's the most dangerous part of a tornado. Is that right? Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, I think my first tornado experience was the Joplin, Missouri uh, in 2011, where uh, we were actually just about two minutes uh, behind uh, the tornado, and it basically turned to an instant EF5 tornado, which minimum speeds were 200 miles an hour. Uh, and uh, it was it started pulling 53-foot trucks or tractor trailers off the interstate towards the storm right in front of us. And that was my first day down there. Uh, and it was, uh, it was very sobering. So, yeah. To see them fly? Like, were they flying or just no, kind of No, not flying, suck? just being kind of pulled right off the highway right in front of us. Uh, all the signage on the on the interstate, uh, interstate were all bent. The signs were all missing. And uh, that was a very sobering moment where you instantly respect Mother Nature. What was the, the saddest moment? Because for me, seeing the aftermath of a tornado or any type of storm or natural disaster is just... It's horrific because you can't yeah. imagine what it's like for the families and the people that are living that. Have you yeah. ever seen some of that aftermath? Yeah, for sure. Uh, just going back to my first tornado experience, the Joplin one, which I actually don't count it as one of my tornadoes because I was unable to, to film it. But it was just so devastating. Uh, and I want to say I think 156 people perished in that, that one oh. particular uh, tube. Uh, it was unbelievable. And, of course, with these tractor trailers kind of uh, pulled off the interstate to, on their sides, uh, some of us, I didn't have my CPR first day that time, but a few of us from our caravan, uh, we had, uh, you know, an ER nurse and, and, you know, CPR. 
that they started going basically truck to truck, like window to window, because the trucks are on their side and uh, just saying, hey, are you okay? And and uh, we had to pick up uh, uh, two or three people, had some head injuries, uh, obviously blood coming down their face and stuff. And we had to bring them to uh, into Joplin where they used to have two um, hospitals. And the only one that was still standing, the tornado was so powerful that it actually moved the entire hospital off of its foundation and moved it about seven or eight inches. Incredible, incredible storm. So yeah, no, once you once you experience something like that, you will never forget it. So you experience that and that kind of devastation, yet you still go back and you still want to get closer or want to see more. Yeah. Why? Well, you also have to remember that uh, when a tornado drops from the heavens, people run, run, run. Uh, They either go southbound or east. Uh, We, on the other hand, we have all the technology, we have all the experience and the know-how that we can get real close, and it's fairly safe for us. Uh, The the majority of our concern really is the three, the four, the five-inch hail, and, of course, the lightning bolts. Uh, It's not really the tornado uh, per se. Um, so it, I find it quite uh, safe, and then I just film the whole thing, and and also once again, once that touches the ground, we are obligated to call the National Weather Service and help out the warning process. And there's nothing cooler than that. When you see a twist, so I imagine you have obviously great technology that tells you when a final cloud is most likely to form. Obviously. Yep. Um, so when you see a twister and one is formed and one's touching down, what does that make you feel like inside? What's that feeling you get? Yeah, you know, that's actually a really fantastic question because I'll do a lot of school talks and, and they ask me the same thing. It must be an adrenaline rush. And, and for me, I, I don't know what it is, but uh, in a, of course, it's totally um, um, BS uh, that when I use my camera and I'm, I'm filming the tornado through the viewfinder, it, I feel like there's like this an imaginary force field and that I'm just focused on garnering the most incredible footage ever. And I really don't feel those emotions. And it, it sounds kind of weird, but I'm just kind of focused on the task at hand and that I just want to capture the most beautiful uh, spectacle uh, that, uh, that God can produce. Do you sometimes wish that you didn't have to film? I mean, I know I go to a concert and I want to get uh, my favorite song. I want to record it so I have it for posterity. But then in some way, like you said, that is an invisible force field. You're not truly experiencing it. However, then when I get home and then I start editing the video, I can actually relive that moment, almost like I'm watching a documentary on TV, and I can feel it then. I can hear the wind. I can hear the rumbling on the ground. I can hear how you know panic-stricken all the people are around me and just adding the cops coming up and asking us questions, and I can actually relive that moment perfectly like I was actually there, which I was, but I'm really experiencing it for the second time. What's the one thing that doesn't get captured on film that you experience when you see these tornadoes? Because I, we all have experienced that where something's never as beautiful or as real or yeah. is, isn't quite the same as when you see it in person. What's different on film? Yeah, it, it has to be the sound, uh, which is really odd because I'm kind of a visual guy. Like I'll film uh, tornadoes, like hopefully from you know the birth and, and the death of the tornado. 
but it's really the sound. It's the hail roar, for instance, when when the 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 hail is kind of crashing into each other uh, aloft within the supercell, and it almost sounds like somebody's continuously bowling. It's really incredible. Or the vibration on the ground, like when when we were in uh, Chapman, Kansas, in 2016, we were right next to an EF4 half mile wide tornado. It was outside my my driver's window, and we were going perfectly parallel with this thing, and it was only traveling at 17 miles an hour. And so I don't know if that actually helped uh, with the sound or the rumbling, but the entire earth was shaking. And maybe we were a little too close and we could actually feel that, but it was a mean and a half a mile wide uh, tornado. So it's really, it's the other emotions. It's, it's, it's what I hear and what I feel on the ground. It's, uh, and that makes it real and that cannot be captured on video. Uh, so do you, do you, are you like an adrenaline junkie? I mean, you were talking about the feeling that you get, and I get you said that it wasn't quite that, but do yeah. you like do you like to do things that involve adrenaline, like roller coasters? Do you jump out of planes? No. Do you have do you do crazy things in your life? No, that's it. <laughs> well, I'm surprised. I thought you were going to yeah. tell me, like, yeah, I like to bungee jump in weird places. No. No, none of that no. stuff. No, he likes to have a cocktail at the bar, which is how I met him. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. I, I have some great friends. I love to socialize and a bit of a storyteller, obviously. But uh, no, I don't know what it is with Toronto. I just it, it, and it's not just the adrenaline; it's the full gamut of emotions. Obviously, like there's moments where you're 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 laughing, uh, and then there's moments where yeah, the adrenaline is a pumping, and then all of a sudden, you know, two minutes later, you could have tears in your eyes because you can see there's there's houses that are missing roofs, and there's side windows, and they have no uh, siding of the the house, and they have no windows, they have no doors left, and like oh my goodness, they just you know, hopefully survive through an EF3. And then you start, you know, going through, uh, you know, hopefully it's just, it's the full gamut of emotion. It's not just one. And what's amazing about it is how it can quickly swing from like one, one end of the pendulum to the other within a moment's notice. It's mother nature. She's moody and you have no idea what to expect. Yet you still go back. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, so now I drive for this uh, Tornado Tour uh, company, the oldest one, actually. I think we're going into our 24th season, uh, Cloud9 Tours. Uh, the guy who runs it, Charles Edwards, he's he's just, he's the man. And uh, and I just love learning. He's fully full meteorologist. He's been doing it for decades. And, and, I, and being next to him uh, for these tours, I get to learn so much cool stuff. Uh, and I get to meet people from all around the world. All corners of the world will fly in. We'll pick them up at Will Rogers Airport, and we'll drive them around for a couple of weeks. And just to see their emotion to seeing a tornado for the first time, it'd be like, you know, being a two-year-old kid and opening up your first Christmas gift. It's an unbelievable experience. Uh, another, well, actually, just a quick little uh, side story. One of my favorite um, moments, storm chasing, is when we pull into a small town. And anytime we pull into a small town, we go to the gas station, we gas up, we clean the windows, do we do all that kind of stuff. But all the local residents come out and they, they'll say, you know, what the heck are you guys doing here? What's going on? What do we need to know? <laughs> And, uh, and of course, we'll tell them, uh, but they all have their own tornado stories. And I love hearing these stories like, oh, yeah, back in 73, there was, a, you know, coming over the hill, it took out this barn. And, and I love hearing those stories and the stories of survival and how these small towns stick together and rebuild and move on. We're really lucky as Canadians. We don't have to deal with a lot of extreme weather, like on the scale of extreme weather. Correct. 
But you look at Tornado Alley in the States and these families, as you said, who have memories, years and years of memories, people losing everything. Why do you think families stay there (laughs) when they could move somewhere else? Yeah, it's such a common question. And of course, that's where their roots are. That's where their families are. That's where the generations of families are. And uh, you know what? They know much more about weather than than I do, for sure. They, they They love and respect it. And if they don't, they might not be here tomorrow. So they, they're, they're well equipped. They have way, uh, they have like 24 hour news or weather channels down there. Uh, they have uh, NOAA radios, uh, which basically it's just like a, a second clock radio within the house, but it, it starts beeping anytime your particular county is under a thunderstorm watch or a tornado watch or warning, and it warns people. And a lot of people down there, they have uh, tornado shelters that is kind of built in the ground like the opening scene from Twister. Um, so they're they're kind of prepared, and uh, and there's a lot of respect for for severe weather down there. It what feel, kind of yeah? It feels like they're gamblers too. You know what I mean? They're yeah. playing the odds. Well, that tornado hit us a couple of years ago. What are the odds there's going to be yeah. another one? Right? Yeah, <laughs> we, we should be okay. There's there's only a thousand confirmed tornadoes in the U.S. per year, and uh, more now with global warming. I would assume. Yeah, I I don't know about that. I think we're going to go into a historic season uh, this year. Uh, the last huge uh, season was in 2011, where they had uh, 1,699 confirmed tornadoes uh, through the U.S. Um, uh, it, it just in that one year. So I got a feeling we're kind of getting into that. There is a lot more moisture in in the air. Uh, global warming, I don't know, we're still experiencing winter here in London, so I don't know when spring's coming, but uh, it's going to be a very interesting storm season ahead. Now you get to tour with people from all over the world when you're driving for these yep. tours. What kind of people actually sign up to do this? Uh, it, it's it's kind of funny uh, because the the new tour guests, uh, they all their stories are kind of the same. They're like, oh, I've always been interested in weather. And anytime, you know, they see the greenage in the, in the, in the clouds and they go outside with their camera and they start taking pictures. And it's always kind of the same story. I've been saving money for three or four years. And, and now that I'm here, I can't believe it. They're totally blown away. Um, and so in... And then, and then you have returning guests. They're like, oh, and then they have their own stories. And then now they've they've been bitten by the tornado bug, if you will. And then they come back, like usually every other year. And uh, they're like, oh, remember that, you know, Chapman EF4. Remember the, and it just goes on and on. And so then we have, you know, kind of a common place where the conversation starts. Uh, so I think there's kind of two different groups of people. Um, I haven't really come across any, you know, adrenaline junkies whatsoever. But just again, a lot of uh, love and respect for for Mother Nature and uh, and her mood swings. Um, if my one of my sons came to me and said, Mom, I want to be a storm chaser. I would lose my freaking mind. Yeah. I would not like that. What does your family have to say about your career choice? <laughs> You're hilarious. <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, actually, I don't really come from a close family, uh, It's which is odd. Uh, so I, I really don't feel they, they take much interest in what I do. Uh, but I do have wow, two Brian, awesome sons. Wow. I know. I come from do a family. Do I need to family. call in the therapist? I know. Like, no, no. So they but, don't care about you is what you're but, saying? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, that's kind of how I feel. But, you know, I've lived a great 45 years and, uh, you know, I'm sure I'm going to live another 45. Uh, but you need you just need to live absolutely every day. And it's actually, I have two two sons, uh, Jeremy and Justin, 17 and 20. And they'll ask me the odd question, you know, or or they'll see a video of mine maybe on uh, CTV News here with uh, Julie Atchison. And uh, hey, Dad, is that your video? I'm like, yeah, does that make me cool? No. 
No, no, never have been cool yet. But they're uh, not asking the right questions. They no. should be like, "So, um, what's your policy yeah. at right now? <laughs> your your, your will is all up to date, right?" Yeah, uh, Brian, I'm the same way. I mean, my kids don't think I'm cool. I'm like, I have a freaking radio show. I yeah. couldn't be any cooler. But no. yeah, I'm not cool either. I'm with you on that one. Yeah, it, it is so is. I don't know if it's you know because we're you know 29 or older, or uh, you know it's because of social media where they have access to everything like super cool, super extreme. But uh, no, I'm I'm uncool and I'm totally okay with that. But I don't understand <laughs> that either because the the cool people for them are like the people who open toys on YouTube. Yes. Like yeah, the yeah, unboxing. they're nobodies. <laughs> yeah. Or like loser celebrities that right. do nothing. Yeah. If yeah. you skateboarded, you'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, so gotta Brian, live life. Have you ever brought uh, your children on a storm chase? Yep. Yep, my, oh, both of them. Oh, you're killing me, Brian. Yeah, for sure. But my, my youngest son, Jeremy, he's... What did a, their mother think? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We're, yeah, we're not married anymore. It's, anyway, that's a whole other story. But uh, no, they're, they're great kids. Uh, my oldest son, actually, Justin, uh, we, uh, him and I experienced our, our first uh, water spout together just off Lake Erie uh, outside of uh, Sparta, Ontario, uh, home of some awesome candles, by the way. But um, yeah. He's and, dropping names and, like it's uh, hot. Yeah. Well, I... I I only promote good businesses, though, and they're fantastic. So, uh, yeah, so I'm picking uh, Justin up at a friend's house uh, just outside Sparta, and there was this beautiful cold front moving over. And Lake Erie is actually our shallowest of all the Great Lakes. So the water itself, the water temperature stays warmest the longest when we get into our fall months. When those cold um, those cold fronts kind of move in, that cold air wants to drop when it, when it kind of settles over the Great Lakes, and that warm, uh, moist uh, water wants to start ascending. And once they interact within the atmosphere, they'll start rotating. And and actually, our Great Lakes, we'll get about 400 water spouts per year, which is awesome. Um, so anyways, him and I, just totally by accident, I kind of knew what was happening. All the ingredients were there in the atmosphere. And uh, anyways, we had three water spouts dropped like right beside us. And fortunately, I had my video camera, so I filmed the whole thing. And I turned to Justin. I'm like, Justin, oh my goodness, this is so amazing, man. You're, you're, you're looking at the finger of God here. And he turns to me and he goes, yeah, thanks, Dad. That's uh, You're really enjoying this, aren't you? I'm like, how can you not enjoy this? This is so cool. You know? So, yeah, totally uncool. But, yeah, so we experienced a water spout together. But my other son, Jeremy, he's the videographer. He's the photographer. He's got all the iPhone, everything, apps and filters and stuff. He makes he makes my storms look fantastic. <laughs> you, you I mentioned, love him so much. Uh, You mentioned God a few times now. The For finger sure. of God is how you dis- you know you sort of describe, and that, that makes sense. Is yes. there a religious aspect to this for you? Uh, uh, no. Yeah, yeah uh, we're getting you, into religion now. Yeah, there's, my favorite. There's, yeah, the, you know, I'm, I'm a true believer in God. Like, just trust me. I, I've seen some weird things, and I've, I've met some awesome people, and and uh, there's no doubt uh, that uh, there is a God and that there's life after death, and, uh, and I just— I just love getting up in the morning and living absolutely every single day. And who knows what's waiting for me after that? I don't know. But I'm only here for a short time, and I'm going to do as much as I can with every single day. That was well said. You know what I was going to ask you before? (laughs) I'm afraid, Sandra. (laughs) Before I spoke to you and I had any inkling of the kind of person you were, I was going to ask if there's a part of you that actually does want to get sucked up in into a tornado. No. After the comment about your family not caring about you, I was like, I don't care. So, Brian, if you got sucked up into a tornado, would you want to be shot out the front of it or the side of it? Yeah. Well, it actually, yeah, I don't know if it actually works like that. Uh, I have uh, seen all the documentaries where, you know, 
people have been lifted up into tornadoes, and uh, it's uh, it's certainly an experience I want to live my life without. Uh, in uh, what, what, one one of yes. the big things that we have to worry about actually when storm chasing is is really not the tornado. It, it sounds kind of weird, but it's always the lightning and the hail. And hail is always a very large problem because hail breaks uh, or busts through our our windows in our vehicle. And so once we lose a windshield or a side window or back window or whatever, we're kind of out of commission, usually for at least 18, maybe 24 hours. And depending on if we're in the middle of absolutely nowhere, it could be two or three days out. So that's really one of our main things that we do not want to be east or or northeast of the hail core. Uh, we want to be south so we can enjoy the moment and then uh, you know continue with the chase the next day. What's the biggest piece of hail you've personally ever been pelted with? Uh, three inch is uh, is too big uh, and it's actually kind of, the, the, you, you'll, you almost, ex- I will experience three inch hail absolutely every year. Uh, it's the bigger hail. It's uh, when you're Totally caught in in the uh, in the hail core. Uh, the hail will grow much bigger than that to four or five inch. The largest hailstone actually has ever fallen out of the out of the heavens was over eight inches wide. Oh, is that so, boy inches or girl inches? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna yeah. leave that one alone. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's it's it, there's a lot of respect for hail, and and you want to be east uh, or sorry south of. Um, but because you want to continue the chase, that's why we we wait those uh, those you know ten and a half months to get down there and to experience all this stuff. So anything that we can do to prevent our windows or three inch hail from crashing through our wind, windshields or whatever, we will always take that precaution. You think they'd have technology to like make a more sturdy windshield? <laughs> no, they do not because there's no money in it, right? They they want you to break your windows. Uh, and course. they they want you to use your $500 insurance deductible to pay for your $350 windshield. Um, it's crazy out there. It all comes down to money, sadly. Has, has anyone in your group been injured or any storm chasers that you know have been seriously hurt by their jobs? Oh, I mean, yeah. I imagine the answer has to be yes, but I mean, how serious are we talking about here? Well, we can. Uh, so the, the storm chasing community is a it's a close knit family. Like it truly, truly is. We're all out there taking great photos, great videos. Um, we all know people who have died, who have been run over by tornadoes. Uh, we've all been hit by three inch hail, and it instantly bruises and welts on you. Um, we all uh, we all know each other because we have to look out for each other. We can all see each other through our GPS and through our um, weather radar and stuff. So yeah, so when somebody passes uh, because of a weather-related uh, incident, we all feel it as, as a collective, like we're all mourning kind of collectively. So no, absolutely. Uh, I have met people, I have known people that sadly have been, you know, run over by, by large tornadoes. Does it make you rethink what you're doing? No. No, it doesn't. Uh, I certainly, I, like, there, there's been some sci- scientists in the past that uh, continue or used to continue to drop probes in front of tornadoes, you know, to measure the wind speeds at different at different heights within the Twister. tornado. All that kind of stuff. Absolutely. We don't do that. We are, we are a mile or two miles south. Yes, there's been the odd sticky kind of situation, um, but, uh, you know, safety is absolutely everything. And, and uh, like, for instance, I'll tell you a quick little story. Uh, in 2016, we were in Dodge City. Uh, it was a Dodge City Supercell that dropped 13 tornadoes for us. Uh, and I got nine of them on video. And at one time, we had three of them on the ground at the same time. Is again, another moment where you need those diapers. Um, but <laughs> we're driving. We're going east. We're going east. We're just trying to keep up with this thing. We're going perfectly parallel. And people are just 
they're, they're not looking at the road. They're looking at, they're looking up, they're looking at the clouds, they're looking at the tornadoes. They're, they have no idea how fast they're going. They're blowing through stop signs. Um, and I can kind of understand it, but safety has to be absolutely everything. And there's been a few moments where I'm driving, you know, the, the lead vehicle and we have nine, ten souls in our van and there's an act, you know, there, there's some guy, some, you know, cowboy that just, you know, it's just, he's just got his video camera in his hand, steering wheel in the other and he's driving, he's filming, he has no idea. So that is the, the the number one thing for us. We have tripods kind of built in our vehicle, so that's already doing the filming. Our eyes are on the road. Safety has to be absolutely everything. And when you're in these extreme environments, sometimes you know, sometimes bad things happen, and and sometimes there's bad drivers. But uh, safety has to be absolutely everything. Brian J. Spencer, thank you so much for joining us today on the Quick and the Dirty podcast. Sandra, do you have any last questions? You good to go? You crazy, Brian. Yeah. Well, be, be sure to check out uh, CanadianChaser.com. You can see I got built-in GPS there. You can see exactly where I'm located uh, throughout the U.S. And hopefully we, uh, we're going to have the live stream up again on a daily basis. You can just go to the website, watch the live stream. So hopefully you can see the tornadoes live and see exactly where we are. Uh, it's going to be an incredible storm season ahead. Absolutely. We'll link everything up to our uh, podcast page. And also we'll have some photos of Brian. He's okay to look at. And also... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Oh, goodness. And uh, we'll probably embed some video, too. Very good. I appreciate that. Yeah, lots of videos available for oh, sure. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. And don't forget to follow The Quick and the Dirty on social. Instagram, at Hillary on air, at Sandra Kiss 105.3. Twitter, at Hillary Welch, at Sandra Kiss 105.3. And Facebook, at Quick and Dirty Podcast. If you've got a question for us, you can email us at thequickandthedirty at gmail.com.